Since 2005, Blue Hat has been where the security research community and Microsoft come together as peers. To debate and discuss, share and challenge, celebrate and learn. On the Blue Hat podcast, join me, Nick Fillingham. And me, Wendy Zanoni, for conversations with researchers, responders and industry leaders, both inside and outside of Microsoft. Working to secure the planet's technology and create a safer world for all. And now, on with the Blue Hat podcast. Welcome to the Blue Hat podcast to security person, Jessica Payne. Jessica, thank you for joining us. I believe the invitation to join this podcast was first sent maybe four years ago, but I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you for being proof that you cannot ghost someone for forever. <laughs> I believe your name has been mentioned on this podcast several times, but you, you haven't been on before. So if you could give us a, a quick introduction, who is Jessica Payne, security person? I am Jessica Payne, and I am a security person. I work at Microsoft, which I've done for the past 10 years now, which feels like it was yesterday. In my time at Microsoft, I've done everything from what was called premier field engineering, where we would go out and we'd help customers get more secure, to being a member of the Microsoft IR team and meeting customers on the worst day of their lives as we helped them with their incident responses, to working in the Microsoft Defender group. And currently, I'm a threat intelligence analyst with Microsoft Defender Threat Intelligence. And through all of that, my background prior to coming to Microsoft, which was being an IT pro and working at law firms and universities, has made me really focused on us making sure that we're making customers more secure and our threat intelligence is actionable and helping customers understand the threats and how to prevent them. Got it. And for listeners of the podcast, the previous episode was with Jared DeGrippo, and I believe Jared is your colleague in the broader team at Microsoft under Mr. John Lambert. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, Sherrod is actually the threat intelligence strategist, which is a very cool title. So she helps us determine how we're going to say what we're going to say. And I focus more on the specific research that we're doing and making sure that our analysts are technically ramped up on everything that's awesome out there and keeping an eye on the baddies. Amazing. And then you also, one of the reasons why you're on the podcast, one of the many reasons why you're on the podcast is that you were on the content advisory board, the CAB for Blue Hat that's coming up. In fact, if you're listening to this episode, Blue Hat will be coming up the following week. And Jessica, you really sort of led the charge to help us with the call for papers process, the review of those hundred and I think it was 15 papers, help whittling them down, debating backwards and forwards with other CAB members, how we go about selecting the papers that are going to become the sessions at the conference. And that's one of the reasons you're here. Another reason why you're here, and it's sort of the little joke I was referring to, is that behind the scenes, your tendrils have been in blog posts and other podcast episodes and threat intelligence and the SIR, the annual sort of wrap up of what's going on in cybersecurity. You touch and create and contribute to all this stuff. And so you're someone I've been wanting to get on the podcast before the Blue Hat podcast, back when it was Security Unlocked. And so that's what I was referring to. But today we're going to talk about Blue Hat a little bit. But maybe before we jump into that, I have another request for today's episode, which is that Sherrod sort of lay down the challenge for creating the weirdest podcast at Microsoft. And I wondered if you had any thoughts on how we could bring some weird to today's conversation. Well, you sort of already painted me as Microsoft security Cthulhu with all of my tentacles <laughs> everywhere. So you might be doing okay at that already, Nick. Good. I don't know how to bring the weird. I've kind of become very boring in my life. We could talk about pollinators. 
So people focus extensively on the honeybee as a pollinator. And while the honeybee is a valuable pollinator, it is not native to most areas, including the Pacific Northwest, which is where Microsoft is based. The pollinators that are native to the Pacific Northwest are solitary bees like the mason bee. And the mason bees do not produce honey and do not live in hives. However, they can pollinate 90% more effectively than a honeybee because instead of jamming their face into the flower, they rub their tummies all over it. And their surface area of their tummies is sizable because they are cute and rounded. So when you're thinking about biodiversity and how to protect the pollinators, think about planting many flowers that are open and not multi-pelletal and not focusing exclusively on the honeybee. Have I brought the weird for you, Nick? I love it. I love it. (laughs) I'm currently in the process of designing landscaping for our house. So thank you for this because I would like to support the pollinators. <laughs> and if you want to make mason bees happy, you can build them what's called a bug hotel. And the bug hotels are essentially piling little sticks up so that they can crawl inside of the little tubes and then seal the end with mud. And then you get a little hotel filled with bugs. I'm going to be sending Jessica a plane ticket to come out and advise me on the yard. But this definitely sparks my interest too. Well, I know, Jessica, I I watched your keynote. I believe it was from 2018 from B-Side Portland. Portland? Did you say B-Side? Well, my goodness, we did not plan that segue, but it worked fabulously, I think. Sign us up, Saturday Night Live. We're coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) I watched your keynote. I loved it. I loved this. We're going to talk about how I'm an epic failure. And um, you talked about starting college at 14, failing out of college because you got sick. Can you touch on this a little bit? Like, why college at 14? Were you done with high school? Did you do it in tandem? I feel how like I'm this too all old work? to and talk then, about when I was 14, <laughs> but uh, okay. <laughs> it's just, it, let's fast forward to, you weren't interested in Microsoft, but then here you are as an integral part of Microsoft security. So Please just give us the high level on how this came to be. Yeah, I feel like we have to include a link to this talk (laughs) in the show notes so that people don't think that we just made it up. (laughs) I started college at 14 simply because I wasn't particularly feeling challenged by the environment that I was in. Um, At the time, I wanted to be a forensic pathologist. That's what I intended to do. I did not wind up doing that. It didn't go that route. But when I got to college, I came from a small town, so coming to more than five people was kind of overwhelming. And then we'll bring the weird. We'll have transparent authenticity. I have autoimmune disorders that weren't diagnosed at the time. And so I wound up with like chronic fatigue and inability to do things. And then of course you get depressed about it. And then you, because you're a perfectionist, think that you can save your college career and you can't and then you have to go home because you fail kind of thing. Uh, And so the second time I went to college, (laughs) I actually, I'd done a little bit of computer science, but I decided that, and I know this is going to sound extremely controversial, but programming was not my passion and it's not necessarily something I need in my everyday life. So those of you who want to be security people who think you have to do a computer science degree, unless you want to work on Justin Campbell's Morse team, it's not really required in order to work in there. Although you should work on Justin Campbell's Morse team because he is amazing. So I uh, wound up majoring in Japanese and I wound up with a Japanese language proficiency test level two which is stunting for those of those that remember the old ones. And then I got an offer from a big law firm and thought I would go do that instead of becoming a Japanese teacher for less money than that. And I wound up doing like IT 
architect work for a very large law firm. And that didn't work out. And that's okay that it didn't work out. I'm happy. And then I was unemployed. And I got a call from a 425 area code, which is Redmond, Washington. (laughs) And I thought, well, I don't know about this. But I always tell my mentees, don't have a career goal, have a mission statement. Because if you have a career goal, you will inevitably be reorged, your product will be discontinued, all these things that you can't control will happen to you and you won't be able to achieve your career goals. For me, I joined Microsoft with the mission statement of change Microsoft and change the world. And so it's, I know, go big or go home. (laughs) And so from that day, I had been a Microsoft customer. I had had Microsoft security products. I had been a decision maker and a person with a purchasing authority, as they joke about at RSA. And I wanted to change the way that Microsoft spoke about security. And I wanted to change, because at that time it was 2014 and the security narrative was really red team focused and it was just break crap kind of stuff. And the fundamental principles, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, of how you secure a network haven't really changed since like 2008. And if we could talk more about the fundamentals and those behaviors and how they link to the major adversaries, that's really what IT decision makers need in order to prioritize the work in their environment. Everyone knows that there's an ocean to boil. Everyone knows that they're doing something dumb. They need to know which dumb thing is linked to the adversary that's coming for me tomorrow so that I can prioritize that, get that through my change management process, and make sure nothing's going to break in the end. And I can't take credit for all of this, but I've been able to help with Microsoft products that now tell people what will break when they make that decision. And what we do in Microsoft Threat Analytics and Microsoft Defender Threat Intelligence is tell you the behaviors that are related specifically to the adversary that cares about you. If you are not likely to be targeted by Peach Sandstorm, then you don't need to worry about Peach Sandstorm. These are our new actor names, by the way, available at some sort of website that we'll put in the links. So that's really my story of how I got here. And it's, it's also why I stay here, because I think we do, there's nowhere else, anyone who wants to come work at Microsoft, there's nowhere else in the world that you can affect as much change as we can. If we can stop a piece of malware at the beginning of the campaign, we can protect a billion devices. Nobody else can do that, right? If I see a threat actor abusing a part of Windows, I can work with MSRC and get that part of Windows turned off. And so it's worth it. I hope that was a good enough summary for you there, Wendy. (laughs) Yes, I love the non-traditional. There's so much out there about you have to do this path to get to this path to get to this path. And, you know, sometimes it's majoring in Japanese that gets you to be where Jessica Payne is. I love that. I don't know they want to be where I am, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from bees and languages, what do you love? Is there anything that you love that also potentially ties into your everyday work or are they completely separate? I have to admit, I have become increasingly a Luddite outside of work, but I think that's okay, right? Because I think you need to disconnect, especially, you know, as I've started to work on things like Copilot and AI and the stuff that we have that's emerging there. For those of you who do not want to spend 80 hours a week doing your job, I admit, and my bosses know this, I no longer spend 80 hours a week doing my job, right? But the things that I do, I do think relate to what I feel I'm good at in my job. And that's the problem solving. And that's the interest mystery. I mean, I wanted to be a forensic pathologist, right? Like that's detective work. That's the same as what we do. And I think that 
when I think about like interviewing people and how you get people from diverse backgrounds and how they make us better at security, we were doing an interview loop one time and there was a girl who didn't come from the same background as everybody else. And she's like, I can't answer these questions because I don't understand that window stuff. And I said, that's fine. What is your background? And she said, my background is networking. And I said, I'm fluent in networking. Let's do an interview in networking, right? And she was able to demonstrate the full competence in the networking stuff. And I said, clearly you can learn things. So you can come to Microsoft and learn Microsoft. And she's still here, by the way. I think she's been on your podcast, but we will withhold her name. (laughs) So that's my kind of thoughts on that. Sorry if you wanted me to say that I was designing robots in my spare time. (laughs) No, I love it. I do. I love that again. Not what was expected. So this is great. I've planted an Um, orchard uh, for my mason bees, but I've done that. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I need off of this podcast. I need to see these photos. Oh, I have a I have a mason bee joke. How do you identify a mason bee? Because they do a secret handshake. Yes, but they're not actually called that for that reason. It's because they build things under brick walls. But I appreciate your joke about secret societies. And I don't even actually. I don't even know if people in the masons really do have a secret handshake anymore. Is that just a zeitgeistian sort of bit of antiquated memeness? If it's secret, how would you know? I don't know know the answer to this. So, yeah, like, we wouldn't know. Secret. I'm so glad I got to put that joke in there. I wanted to, you know, talk about one of the reasons why I think this question of, like, what do you love? Sherrod, who was on the podcast last episode, genuinely told us all about a a genuine love of cybercrime. We talked about it for a long time. And obviously that aligns with Sherrod's role and profession. And do you feel an affinity to a certain particular either niche or a category or a topic in cybercrime and or something sort of tangentially related to a degree, you and I have spoken a lot about diversity in cybersecurity. So at the risk of leading the witness, I wonder if that might be a passion of yours. But what do you love with a passion about this space as well? I'm going to do two topics, but I'm going to weave them together, hopefully seamlessly. How's that? Okay. Okay. So I I completely agree with Sharon that cybercrime is the way to talk about security because when I started doing this in 2014 and your threat model that you were trying to convince people to do the difficult work, I call security medium hard, by the way. It's not super hard. It's medium hard. But when you've got to convince an IT department to do the medium hard work of randomizing the local administrator passwords, turning on their Windows firewall... There's a blue hat talk on this. We'll talk about that in a second. You need to have a carrot or a stick in order to do it. And the stick, when I started here in 2014, was a nation state might join your network and they might do nation state things. And that is serious. Don't get me wrong. Nation state stuff has real world consequences, geopolitical, things like that. But it's really hard for a person who thinks only in stock price to put that into their reasoning. And as soon as ransomware showed up, people had a stick. And I do not thank you, ransomware operators, for this. That's not what I'm saying. But people had a real tangible business risk that they could understand that was a reason to do the medium hard work. And so I'm very passionate about the fact that ransomware and nation states have overlapping behaviors coming soon to a Blue Hat talk near you, by the way. So the overlapping behaviors, if you block Office from creating child processes, you have blocked the way that banking Trojans get distributed, but you've also blocked zero days used by Midnight Blizzard and Storm 978, and those are nation state actors. And so I'm very passionate about having something related to reality to talk about this. And then I'm. it's also the fact that 
90% of what happens is preventable. And if we can get to this language of actionable threat intelligence where we can help people do the medium hard and do it without breaking their network and understanding why, then they can't do it anymore, right? Like, I don't mean to put you out of your jobs, cyber criminals. Maybe we can help you find something else to do. But the vast majority of ransomware and things like that they're still getting a domain admin account that's there because somebody is running a service. If they can't get those, it's very hard to do it. And they can then potentially become bee farmers. And I think that diversity relates to this because if you only bring in security people that come from the same background, I'm not slamming any backgrounds here, by the way, it's all backgrounds, right? But if you all have a shared experience of the same college program or the same military unit or the same Japanese program or the same ballet school, You're going to be thinking the same about how you communicate security and you're going to assume your audience is thinking that the same way. By bringing in people who have been ballet dancers, who have been professional musicians, who have been in the military, who have been all these different things, we now have an ability that when we write something like a threat intelligence article to say, don't use those words, only the military understands them. Use these other words because then law firms will understand what you're talking about. And so when I think about why I'm passionate about bringing people into security from diverse backgrounds. A little bit it's because of capitalism. It's going to make us better at security. But also because I think that there's just so much talent that's out there that we can bring in. And this is all learnable stuff. This isn't secret wizard stuff. And I'm going to bring it back to you saying that coming to the blue hat near you, <laughs> I want to know your process. You're looking at all these submissions. What are you looking for? Are you looking for what the people are like? Are you looking for what Jessica likes? Are you looking for both? Are you looking for something unique? Like, what is it that sparks an interest? Say, yes, that's on stage. I love this question because I frequently like mentor people on how to write a good conference submission. And the Blue Hat process, Nick, how much of this do I give away, is (laughs) semi-unique in that we do it as a blind review. So I can't actually look at who the person is. Later on, we might see who you are, and that helps us coach you with your speaker training based on your experiences and things like that. But when you submit the paper... I don't know if you're my friend Riley Childs or if you're Andrew from Sophos, right? I mean, I don't know that. Some people cheat and put their name and their things into their abstracts. That is not the way to do it. But what I'm specifically looking for is I am looking for a well-formed abstract that explains beginning, middle, and end, right? Because a lot of it's like, I'm going to stand on stage. I'm going to talk about this. And it's like, why are you talking about this? And what will you do at the end that's different, right? And so when you're submitting to, I think, any conference, you need to think of your beginning and your middle and your end, right? Like, okay, you want to talk about AI. So does every other person on the planet right now. Okay, what is unique about your abilities in AI, right? Why should you be giving the talk about chat GPT hacking versus someone else? What is your experience with it? Okay, demonstrate in your three-paragraph abstract, something that shows you have subject matter mastery over the subject that you're talking about. Then talk about the information that's new that you will present, and then talk about how the world will be a better place once you have given this talk. And I think those are really, that's what I look for in the Blue Hat submissions, which I've been doing since Uh, (laughs) But I think it's also good best practices for when you're submitting a talk in general. Like I've submitted to RSA and things like that and and just think about it that way. I know who I'm going to be reaching out to. I've been declined by multiple conferences. I think my writing is not 
<laughs> we're gonna we're gonna talk about this on the side. <laughs> I will. I'll be glad to help you. Thank you for Microsoft employees that are listening to this that work in Charlie's org. We're gonna add this to our mentoring: how to submit to conferences. So maybe we can make it a blog post or something. I don't know. Amazing. Maybe we could teach more people. So we might even be able to do a standalone podcast episode at some time. At some point I'm as just well. Too, that. Where we... I'm I'm only here once, Nick. It's taken four years. <laughs> this is uh, it. You're gonna this, find is someone the, else. this is the only opportunity I get. <laughs> So we're actually going to, on today's episode, we're going to talk a bit more in detail about what to expect at Blue Hat, which we are recording this on September the 28th. We're just on two weeks from Blue Hat. Blue Hat is October 11th and 12th with a third internal only day on the 13th of October. 2023. And so in those first two days, there will be two parallel tracks per day. Day one, the two tracks will be threat intel is one track, and then vulnerability research will be the second. And then on day two, the two tracks will be securing AI and ML. And the second track will be emerging resilient which Jessica gets credit for. The no, no, port- you get credit man. because you put the T on the end. I had a oh, C Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. That's true. And what I think is actually really great about the, and we can talk a bit more about this process, but sort of the way that these sessions came together, or, or I should say sort of how the, the voting sort of played out is that, yeah, that very first round is what they call a blind review. So you just see the title in the abstract. You don't really see any more information at all. And then in that second round of review, that's when you do get to see the name of the submitter and the company or the organization they're from. Sometimes they'll submit a bio or a LinkedIn link. And so we get to sort of learn a bit more about who the, who the submitter is. And that does play into it as you start to have to weigh up, you know, one session versus the other two to make sure that there is really great diversity. And I think we've achieved that with this blue hat. We have high school students that we're presenting. We have students and faculty from educational institutions. We have obviously Microsoft presenters. They're about a third, maybe slightly under a half, more like a third of the sessions are going to come from Microsoft folks. And then we have people from all across the security industry, including some that would sort of on paper be considered maybe a business compete sort of entity. So I think it looks fantastic. Jessica, do you want to sort of talk a little bit about just a couple of the, either the high level topics or even, you know, a session or two that you sort of want to highlight that's going to be happening across those two days? We all have the agenda in front of us, so we're not sort of pulling from our our memory, but is there anything you want to call out? Because people will have an opportunity to hear this podcast and then head to the website and start listening to recordings or watching videos at some point. Yeah, I am staring at the conference schedule because I do not yet have it memorized. So for those of you playing along at home, you can browse to the Blue Hat website and look at the same thing that I am doing. So day one, I am, of course, biased to the Threat Intel sessions because that's my wheelhouse. I think we're going to have some amazing keynotes that day, but there's some interesting sessions there. One that is listed as Scattered Storm 0875, a year of response is the current title. That will probably change because we've promoted that actor to the name Octo Tempest now. This is a story about one of the most terrifying threat actors currently in operations. And so I think a lot of people know about Lapsus and how they operated a couple of years ago. This is the successor to Lapsus in many ways. This is cloud-based destruction. And they're using a lot of innovative techniques to ruin your day. <laughs> and so not to give away too much of that talk, but that's going to be by Riley and Wayman. And I think a lot of the audience is going to not only just learn about this threat actor, but they're going to realize that they have homework in their own environment and they will get advice on how to do that. So I think that'll be a good one. I am looking forward to Nestori's It's by Design topic in the vulnerability research, because I think that 
We joke a lot at Microsoft. I actually have stickers that joke about things not being security boundaries, not available unless you know the secret handshake. But this is an important topic because I'm in the big, bad Microsoft side, but I understand where people are coming from about like, well, if it's stupid, you need to fix it, right? And so I think this will be a good conversation about how vulnerabilities work in the outside world, but also a chance to get some insight because like we removed WordPad from Windows recently. There's a reason we did that and there's a backstory to it. And if you catch us at Blue Hat, maybe we'll tell you. <laughs> but it is possible to change things by having these conversations. So I think I'm excited about that one. How many do you want me to highlight per day, Nick? What's my word what, here? What, how, however <laughs> many you like. We have endless tape here. This is, okay, uh, great. This is digital. This is literally being recorded on VHS. So yeah, we have endless <laughs> tape. Andrew Brandt from Sophos is doing a talk, Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, I believe is the title. And this is about abuse of the Microsoft Wickle driver signing process. So taking off my Microsoft hat, this is what I think is good about Blue Hat, is it's not all raw, raw, raw Microsoft all the time. Yay, everything we're doing is perfect by my crap. It's you know, a real presentation of the threat landscape. And Andrew and his team at Sophos have found actors abusing the Wickle driver program, reported it to us responsibly. They've done a great job of that and have a good conversation about how Microsoft should be thinking about this and how threat actors think about it. And they've been working really well with us together. So I think that's a good one of the Better together. What is it? Protecting the world through curiosity? Saving the world through curiosity. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Protecting yeah, so the world yeah. through curiosity. I will, uh, I will get that in there. TM. No, there's no TM, actually. Yeah. Anyone can use that. I am presenting on day one as well. This will be my first time presenting at Blue Hat, believe it or not. What? Yeah. I've done workshops at Blue Hat, but I've never actually presented. So I'm not oh saying I'm partial to my session. In fact, I'm saying you should probably skip my session. <laughs> but uh, I will be presenting as well with a lot of this, how to not just read the threat intelligence report and have the cool story, but how to actually fix your stuff. And we can edit out the plug for my own talk. I just thought I should mention this is actually my first time presenting at Blue Hat. So... And then we have some really good lightning talks over lunch. And this is where we've got that diverse students and people from IBM and Zoom and whatever. I think there's some really good stuff to see there. So I won't go into all of those. But when you're eating lunch, please do watch those. How about a day two? Can I go to day two now? Please, please. Okay. So day two is our AI buzzword day because it's required. But as people that were on the content advisory board, this is the AI content that you need. This is the AI content that's related to the stuff that you're going to see there. So we've got fantastic session from Kathy Vu from our Azure Red team on some of the things that Microsoft is doing to make AI more secure. We've got people from a technical school talking about how to turn ChatGPT into a proxy for malware. And Ram, who is my favorite human being currently, is going to talk about Microsoft AI red teaming. So this is this kind of emerging, cutting-edge stuff that I think is going to be a really unique opportunity for people. And then in that same day, because we have the Emerging Resilient track, this is where I like that combination of looking at what's broken and then how to fix it and how to make your life better. So there is a talk called All Killer, No Filler, another Sophos talk. And this is a talk about making EDR not work. And again, this is Sophos worked really closely with us too about ways that our EDR could be disabled. So this is that community at work. Really excited about that one. And then Steve Seifus is going to rant about NTLM, which I would pay money for. I would pay extra money for that. So that's my tour of things I'm excited about. Was that what you were hoping for, Nick? Have I hyped people for Blue Hat? 
Oh my gosh, absolutely. Thank you so much. I was shocked to learn that this will actually be your first time formally presenting at Blue Hat. I mean, you were our MC in February for- I hold the world the, record for most hours MC. Yeah, Blue absolutely. And amazing MC at that. Amazing, amazing MC. I'm sorry. I, 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 so yeah, good. Absolutely. And yeah, I guess I just assumed that you'd been on stage about, you know, 25 times between now and back in 2016 or whenever it was. So, wow. I mean, to me- it's all about getting other stories out at Blue Hat. I actually didn't think I was going to present this one. We're going to have somebody else do it. But I'm your second round draft pick for this. So that's probably why I'm there. <laughs> and just to clarify too, for those sort of taking notes. So you were on the cab choosing sessions. At the time, you were not a presenter of a session. You this were exclusively a... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there was no rigging here. This is a good one. We'll keep it. It's mine. <laughs> it was your team that submitted the it was paper. My team, they yeah. submitted they yeah. submitted it blind, but yeah, it genuinely received a large number of votes and then the original person that submitted that was unable to present. So you're you're stepping in. So And someone even voted against it. So someone who's been on this podcast actually (laughs) voted against it because, and this is actually really great, something that you brought up, that person who will remain nameless, at least for now, they voted against it because they said, I'm worried that this session might come across as a shill fest, as marketing, as someone from Microsoft standing on stage and saying, we are so amazing, you should buy our product. And that goes against the ethos of Blue Hat. There's sort of an unofficial Blue Hat policy, no selling, no marketing, no dunking, no fluff. So you can't come to Blue Hat to sell your product or to generate leads. You can't come to product to just land fluffy marketing messages. And you can't come to Blue Hat to dunk or be disparaging in any way, shape or form over a competitor or another person. You can sort of dunk on yourself. In fact, that's probably, yes, but you, (laughs) you can't dunk on anyone else. And so that person who voted against it was like, I'm worried that the way this is written, it could actually be a seen as sort of promotional. And I was really grateful to actually see that assessment. Well, no, it's Wendy's point about how do you successfully get accepted to a conference? Be flexible. Because the way that it was originally written when the submission, I'm not throwing the original submitter under the bus because I work for him. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) It did actually sound a bit like a product pitch. And so we've gotten submissions, not just from my team in the past, where it's like, I think there could be something good here. Let's reach out to the speaker and ask them to clarify what they were talking about. Or is this going to be a pitch? Can we remove the pitchy part and talk about the research? Because last Blue Hat, we had one that we did that, where they removed the part that was related to their product and kept the research. And so I think that's another part that I think is really special about the Blue Hat cab is we are extremely dedicated to getting extremely good content from extremely good people. And we will review your sessions and say, I feel like there's a grain in here that I need to support. And so the person who thought that it sounded like a product shill had every right to say that from the original way that it was written. And we have reworked that session. And we will do the same thing with other presenters who submit. And I think you even got like an email address for like speaker support or something. So if you've submitted to Blue Hat or you want to submit to Blue Hat and you're like, give me advice. I heard that Jessica girl say you'll do that. We will do that. (laughs) Yeah. Just to close on that, Jessica, if folks listening to this have submitted to Blue Hat and they, they, they didn't make it, we do try and follow up after the conference once the dust has settled and provide any sort of notes from the cab for why a session may not have been selected. Because yeah, we want people to 
not feel that if their submission is rejected, that that's it. They can never be a blue hat presenter or what have you. And so, yes, we do try and do that with everyone that has submitted. So if you haven't heard back from us, feel free to uh, email bluehat at microsoft.com and we will we will pull together that feedback. And I think the reverse too, right? You know, like if you want to ask if that's going to be a good blue hat topic, right? Get in early. Ask those questions specifically of Nick Fillingham. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> you can, you can. I'll, I'll do my best. Jessica, you have been in the industry. You've been speaking everywhere. Everyone knows who Jessica Payne is. I'm fairly new in the grand scheme of folks that work at Microsoft. I'm coming up on my second year. So I'm just a baby at Microsoft where there are folks like Nick and others that have been here forever. What draws you to Blue Hat? Why is this conference different? Why is it unique? I mean, there's conferences everywhere. Everyone go everywhere. They can submit talks, but why this one? What keeps you on the advisory board? What keeps you going? You know, how many years later you're submitting a talk or you're speaking at this? What is it about that this conference that's so special? Yeah, and there's a no dunking rule. So don't think that I'm dunking any other conferences with what I'm about to say, but everybody is different, right? You know, and I am an introvert. I know that's weird because everyone thinks that I'm out there talking all the time and showing up everywhere. I like Blue Hat because I know I'm going to learn something. I know it's extremely high quality content. I know that it's a research focused conversation. And it's being on the cab, I know that we're not picking things based on how many retweets or internet points they're going to get, right? And I think, again, this isn't dunking, but we don't gauge whether or not we're going to get a news engagement out of this talk as part of what we're doing. We gauge who's going to make the world a better place kind of thing. And again, I'm not dunking. (laughs) And I think, I hate to say it this way, but I like Blue Hat because it feels like work. Right, right. Like it feels like I'm going to a learning event related to my job. It's it's absolutely fun. And by the way, I've printed over a thousand stickers for the Threat Intelligence Village. So you will have fun or a sticker. But it's also that researcher engagement. So for me, I work at Microsoft, obviously, but we get customers there. So last Blue Hat, our friends from NHS UK were there. And they were there to provide their perspective of defending their network against what was the most prevalent malware threat at the time, poor one out for Quackbot, during the pandemic and how hard that was. But they were also there to have conversations with me and members of Defender about what our product wasn't doing right for them, right? You know, and so... Or connecting with people like Cam. Cam's an internal person, but, you know, like connecting with researchers who are beating the crap out of our stuff (laughs) and, and, you know, learning from them and having those conversations. And then also the opportunity to connect with customers who, you know, are genuinely interested in making their network more secure and want to learn from what we're doing. So I like that outside-in perspective and the content being so research-focused. I hope I did okay there. No, that's great. I mean, I have not been to every conference, but I really felt last year with that being, or well, actually it was 2023, February, being my first Blue Hat, it felt very community focused. Like everyone was here together. We're all here for the same reason versus other conferences, not dunking, but you feel it's it's very competitive. Like you're competing yeah. with this person next to you and yep. that person, this person, and you're there and you have to show how important you are instead of let's let's all piece what we know together and be important as a whole versus you're better than me. You're better, you know, your talk is better. So that's the vibe I got and I, I really enjoyed it. It was it was sad when it was over. <laughs> it was sad when it was over. I have always loved that at Blue Hat we don't rank speakers. So we know what the satisfaction is, right? Like we know how much the customers are satisfied for it. But I've been to so many conferences where did I get top speaker? 
right? And sometimes I have, hashtag privilege. (laughs) Uh, But you're like, if you don't, you feel like you failed at that conference, right? You know, and I mean, we certainly do track, was this a session that the audience liked and, and things like that. But that competition aspect of it is big, right? And I think that we're all in it together, just like you said, right? Like there's a lot of broken stuff that's out there. I do want to do a shout out for B-sides, not just because I've done a couple of keynotes for them, but you know, that point about community and local, especially as we're in 2023, the year of no budget, people are not able to travel as much to conferences. And sometimes people who work at universities or small hospitals or whatever would never be able to travel. And so the B-sides momentum, and especially like my team's on a bunch of different states and countries and whatever. So my team goes to their local B-sides, right? You know, so that ability to have that local community and Microsoft going to things like that to kind of help people, I think is another good community focused type of thing. Plus one to B-sides. That one, it has that same sort of vibe. I, I agree. Yeah, I would say that plus one again for B-sides and shout out to the B-sides Seattle crew who we've partnered with and been able to extend invites to Blue Hat to their community. And there's a wonderful sort of overlap of people who are part of the B-Side Seattle crew and will be also a part of Blue Hat. And I think also sort of that DEF CON mentality. And I think more the, some of the things that Blue Hat has borrowed from or perhaps evolved in parallel with is around communities. I want to touch on villages briefly. Villages have come and gone from Blue Hat. They haven't always been there. We had villages in February. We're going to have Villages again for this Blue Hat, October 11, 12, and 13. I'm very, very excited for Villages. I really think there's such an incredible energy that happens because sometimes when you go to a conference, you know where to go when the keynote's on. You know when to go when a session is happening that you're interested in. But outside of that, where do you go? How do you go to find the people that you want to talk to or that have similar interests or that can teach you something? And the villages concept that Blue Hat has certainly borrowed from other places, and we certainly don't claim to have invented that, but village is going to be a very, very big part of this Blue Hat conference. And I hope they continue to be in the future. Jessica, you're leading also a village. You're, you're basically the busiest person at Blue Hat. I think, you know, I need to make you a, a little gold star that says busiest blue hat person. Your village is the threat intelligence village, or at least you're heavily involved in that. And then do you want to get a little sneak peek or touch on some of the fun and sort of zany, cool stuff that's going to be happening in the village space? Yeah, so I am leading the threat intelligence village and I'm helping out with the blue team village. So those are the only two I can speak out authoritatively on, but I can talk about the fun. So for Threat Intelligence Village, we're having an infomercial area set up. It's not product shilling, but we were describing it as a living room. We didn't know how to describe it. So again, because we couldn't get all of our team to travel here, we're going to have the ability to experience our monthly threat intelligence briefing as if you were live with all of our geodiverse individuals running in our little area, sit on a comfy couch, bring your drink, that kind of thing, and then learn about all of the stuff that we track. So all of our different threat intelligence V teams from cybercrime through Iran, through China, whatever, will be represented there. And then we're going to have KC7, which is an open source threat intelligence tool. There's talk about it, so you can attend that. But we're also going to have the ability to play around with it in the village. And then we haven't actually gotten this approved by Nick yet, but we're going to do it anyway. (laughs) We have a TI scavenger hunt. So throughout the conference center, you have to find 10 stickers that have aka.ms, as well as a QR code, if you trust us, to one of our threat intelligence blogs. And you must find all of them, and then you must read them all, and then you could come and pass a quiz 
presented by our fantastic MC, Stephen Finnegan. And you will win a special sticker that says you are a Microsoft Threat Intelligence certified superstar. That is what it says. So I like the interactivity, the ability to learn. Uh, we're also going to have a bunch of people there who can answer your questions. I will be there. Other people will be there. The Blue Team Village at Blue Hat is going to have a lot of fun as well. They're going to do some live forensics demonstrations, not forensics in the CSI and NCIS way, I hope. They are going to have talks about hunting and building your own custom detections. And they also have an Ask the Experts area there. So, and they may also have stickers. We'll see. That sounds awesome. I know we're, we're running out of time. I think we're going to have to do a part two, Jessica. As much as you already gave us one shot at this, we're going to have to do another one. But in the meantime, for folks listening on this podcast, they want to reach out or follow you know, anything that you're working on? Are there places that people can see your work or send you a, a message or none of the above? Any, res <laughs> any resources that you would love to share? <laughs> uh, none of the above. Um, no, I, I did have a social media thing with quite a lot of followers, but I stopped using it back in like 2019. It's still there. I think you could read what I used to write. I contribute to a lot of what goes on the Microsoft Security blog. I'm sure we'll put the link in here. I would love for you to read our Ransomware as a Service blog, which is at aka.ms slash ransomware as a service with hyphens in it. If you are a Microsoft Defender customer, you can reach out to your account team. And if you find me at Blue Hat, I will probably not run away from you. But good luck finding me at Blue Hat because I'm going to be in disguise. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you very much, Jessica. This was a great talk. I enjoyed it. I'm going to go look up how to get my beehives going. And thanks again. And we will catch you all later on the next episode of the Blue Hat Podcast. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us for the Blue Hat Podcast. If you have feedback, topic requests, or questions about this episode, please email us at bluehat@microsoft.com or message us on Twitter at MSFTBlueHat. Be sure to subscribe for more conversations and insights from security researchers and responders across the industry by visiting bluehatpodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.